Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Here we are. We're back. I think it's 189 today, 190. All right, we're going to finish up our series on regulative principal pastoring, and what we're going to do is turn our attention to classic pastoral work. What do shepherds do? They smell like sheep. We care for the sheep. We protect the sheep. So we're going to talk about four big categories, counseling, doing or officiating weddings, hospital visits, and funerals. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need wisdom and direction always, and we ask for your help. Lord, thank you for this great work that you've called us to. And as we wrap up this series talking about these four big headings or categories of pastoral work that are just never going away, they're just a staple of pastoral ministry, help us to not so delegate uh, delegate pastoral ministry where we wiggle our way out of it, but help us to be faithful to do this work and uh, trust that you're going to bless it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, Go check out the Honor God Network and themajestiesmen.com. I am talking about them for another month. If you're a website, if you have a website, if you're looking for a place to host the content that you have, if you're looking to host a podcast, well, you can go out to places like Squarespace. You can go out and find things like anchor.com or anchor podcast platform, and they can be helpful. You can do what you need to do. However, if you do something like that, you're going to be giving to people that really do hate you. They don't like God. They don't like the kingdom of God. They don't like the advancement of the church. In fact, they're working against things like the image of God and doing terrible things with the money that they're receiving. And so you want to host your website or your podcast or understand you know, what that all includes uh, to, to be able to do that, to be able to own your material, go to the Honor God Network. Reach out to Riley Voth and he will be able to help you out as you're trying to find Christian platforms to be able to, to, to do your media and produce um, the, the work that you're doing. Okay, so pastoral work. This has been very popular. This scenario that I'm about to describe has been p- very popular for, I don't know, probably going on 40 years. Eugene Peterson really wrote against this and just hammered these pastors back in the 80s and into the 90s who viewed pastoral ministry as CEO ministry. And this scenario, I think, is very common and it is somewhat defensible in the scriptures in the sense that we are to be delegators and we are to raise up people around us to equip them for the work of ministry. Uh, This is what pastoral ministry is about, Ephesians chapter 4, where we want the saints of God, the people of God, to be doing the work and equipped to do the work of ministry. And it is absolutely true that the priesthood of believers is a thing that we have to understand. We have to equip people to walk and live this life out and obey the Lord Jesus in every area of life. That is absolutely true. All those things are true. Uh, Acts chapter 6 is true, where there has to be a delegation of work. We've talked about this to where there's a priority and an order in the life of the pastor, where there are some things that have to be delegated to somebody else, to the deacons, to be able to focus on ministry of the word and prayer. The proper order um, of the pastor's life is not to be pulled away from that primary task, that primary work, because of all this other stuff that's going on. However, there is an amount of work in pastoral ministry that's just a staple of shepherds shepherding sheep that cannot be delegated away. 
And for the last 40 years, there's been a popular idea that uh, if you can get to the place in ministry where everybody else does the weddings, where everybody else does the counseling, where everybody else does the dirty work of pastoral ministry that pastors you know, typically don't thrive in or typically don't like because it's not the thing that they enjoy the most, then you've somehow arrived if you've not done a wedding in five years or I don't counsel anymore. So it is just literally a stepping stone into working yourself out of pastoral ministry. Outside, I mean, working yourself out of counseling people who are in marriage problems or working your way out of doing premarital counseling, work your way out of crisis care, working your way out of because you've somehow arrived at the CEO status or something like that. All right. So that, that is the caricature here, and that is a real caricature that you, Eugene Peterson saw. It's literally pastors so delegating their work that they're not actually shepherding anymore. So let's think about these four big categories. Now, they're in these, expect, expect, except for visiting the sick, there's not going to be verses specifically attached to it. You might say, well, Jared, you're talking about regulative principle pastoring here, so why aren't there ex- specific examples of passages like this? And I think because there's so much that's just a given when you get to the scriptures, like you get into 1 Corinthians. And what is the letter of 1 Corinthians but a letter of counsel to the churches? You see counseling woven in all throughout what Paul is doing here in the scriptures as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, is giving counseling care to sheep that are in trouble. You, you see this everywhere in the scriptures, in the New Testament specifically. A pastor's just so being with the sheep, with, with the people, that this is just woven into the epistles themselves, much of this stuff. So let's just walk through these four big categories of things that, sh- that sheep, that Christians need, that shepherds are always going to be required to do. Pastors are always going to be required to be there and need to be there as we're walking through these things with our people. Number one, counseling. Biblical counseling, pastors are not licensed therapists, okay? We, we are not skilled in navigating all the areas of, of, that the, of the brain that works and doesn't work properly. However, we are called, and I think most situations in life um, are dealing with the spiritual side as we are not just material bodies. We are not just physical beings, but we are souls and bodies. So th- this is a, a layered conversation when you get into counseling and bringing care to people that are hurting or depressed or are anxious. And one of the things that pastors have to realize is that there is a type of depression and anxiety that is sinful, and then there's a type of depression and anxiety that is more on the clinical side. And there are some, you get into splitting hairs here, but Jesus clearly says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not worry. Where it's a categorical sin that Jesus is addressing that people are responsible for naming and saying, okay, I've been sinning in the area of worry or anxiety, and I've got to quit that, repent of that, and turn from that. And I think much of what we're dealing with in our world today in this narcissistic, weird world of social media and everybody being anxious and everybody being depressed, or at least those numbers of anxiety and depression going up and up and up, we have to acknowledge that that is a real thing that our people are facing. And then through the, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be able to navigate, okay, is this sinful anxiety here? Or is this sinful depression here? What kind of counseling, what kind of care is needed here as I walk with them through this particular anxiety, through this particular difficulty, or through this particular season of of melancholy and low, or this seasonal depression that comes when the fall comes and the winter comes and the overcast days come? What what am I to do here as a pastor? And here's what I want to say. You have to do something. 
when it comes to counseling. When there is a marriage in the church that is is on the rocks, and one person is uh, in the marriage is, is not doing what God has called him to do, or the other person in the marriage she's not called. Uh, she's not doing what God has called her to do, then those those situations have to be ran to, not a ra- ran away from. This is just the work that's going to have to continue to come uh, in, in pastoral ministry from the pastor to the people, and it's not going away. You know, in marriage, marriage problems are always sin problems. It's always sin problems. Unless there's some sort of issue where the man got in a, a, a car crash and now he's mentally disabled and he's being taken care of, there are, I guess, those situations. But when it comes to typical marriage problems that we're going to be dealing with and we're going to be helping people as we walk with them through those difficulties, it's going to be in the area of sin and repentance. It's not going to be in the area of mental disorders or some, some sort of you know victim mentality or status that they're dealing with. You're going to have to help them get on their feet, look to Christ, and walk and follow in obedience to God's law. And to love each other as, as God has called them to love each other. For the husband to love his wife and the wife to respect her husband. These are counseling situations that you're walking with uh, people through and you're going to always walk with people through because it's just a staple of pastoral work. You're going to be discipling young men who are really difficult or just walking through a difficult season. They've, they've been in the military or now they're back home and dealing with PTSD. And here you are talking with them and they may be getting some other counseling care at a local VA or something, but you're walking with them every week and discipling them every week and seeing small incremental growth. And there's going to be times where there's step back, steps backwards. What about grief? You guys are walking with people through grief. My goodness, grief and despair that comes with it is so difficult and you're going to be experiencing death and sickness because you're, I mean, pastoring people and long enough in ministry, you're going to be walking with people in grief and you're going to be in a room with them and you're not going to have any idea of what to say. You're just going to be sitting there praying, God, give me wisdom because I don't know what to do. Counseling is always going to be a staple of pastoral work and you can't delegate your way out of counseling. If it gets to the point where you're counseling so many people and caring for so many people that you cannot do the primary work of preaching and prayer, well, then you have to have an elder team that comes along and does that with you. You're going to have to delegate that out. However, if you get to the point where you're realizing, you know what, I'm never counseling people, I'm never walking with people, then something's wrong. Or you're celebrating the fact as you're telling somebody else or a buddy of yours at a conference, hey, I don't do any more weddings. I don't do any more counseling. I don't, any, I don't do any of that anymore. I don't do any more premarital counseling because somebody else does it. Well, then you might want to wake up a little bit. You're, you're, you're not doing what God has called you to do if you are outsourcing all the care of the sheep to other people. Okay, about weddings. Weddings. Um, you have got to draw a line in the sand about weddings that you are and aren't going to do. I have told so many couples, no, I'm sorry, I will not officiate your wedding because they've not met the biblical criteria. It's either a believer or a non-believer. I don't care if it's best friends or family. I've had to tell friends and family, no, I'm sorry, I cannot officiate this wedding because of this reason. But if you are going to, then you're going to have to do premarital counseling. You're going to have to do three, four sessions at least of premarital counseling. And then at a conscious level, at the end of those sessions, you're going to have to be able to say, I, in good conscience, can oversee this wedding between two parties vowing together and God 
bringing them into covenant with one another and me being a part of this, whether or not you're going to be able to do that. And if you can't in good conscience do that, well, then you need to be able to say, I I can't do this and here's why. We need to extend this. We need to do some more sessions or something like that. But the work of marriage and marriage counseling, uh, officiating weddings, isn't going away. That's not the job of the state, by the way. That is the job of churchmen. And so when we get into the scriptures and you say, well, there's no marriage ceremonies that, that pastors are overseeing, and you'll say, okay, yeah, that's true. But when you begin to look at the scriptures, there's not an outline, an order of service of how this is supposed to be, okay? That's a given. However, are we as pastors in this this huge moment in, in a husband or a man or a woman's life, are we going to just say, go to the courthouse? Or are we going to step in and say, hey, listen, this is what marriage is and be the ones that describe from the scriptures. Here's what a man is to do in marriage. Here's what a woman is to do in marriage. Here's how you're to be to one another. And I want to oversee this covenant relationship uh, as God would have me and then be there along the way and commit to walking with you afterwards. Okay, this, this is the work of pastoral ministry. I mean, this, again, is not going away. Hospital visits, visiting the sick. Okay, we, we are to visit the sick. Um, this is what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, all believers are to visit the sick. Christians are not allowed to social distance. We have to lay hands on the sick. We have to run to the sick. We have to feed the sick. We have to visit the sick if we're going to be obedient to God and his word. When we get to James chapter 5, I just read through James this morning. It was a part of my Bible reading this morning. And we get to verse 14. If anyone, if anyone is a sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Pastors aren't required to social distance. This is something that we have to understand. We run to the sick. We run to the bubonic plague. We set up hospitals wherever we are to take care of the sick who can't take care of themselves and don't have family to take care of them. This is what we do. We lay hands on the sick and we pray for them. We go to the hospital. I used to spend time as a hospital chaplain, a volunteer chaplain at a hospital. Hold on, let me get a sip of coffee real quick. And if you haven't spent a lot of time around the sick, that may be a good option for you. Volunteer at a local hospital and go up there once a week, go up there once a month or something to go lay hands on the sick and pray for the sick. If you have a younger congregation like we do, it's an interesting time within our church. We went through a long period of time of no health uh, issues at all. And then we had, I had a dear friend of mine pass away from cancer and had two young boys and, uh, it was tough, and we're still walking through that. And, and it's just, uh, grief is a, it's a tough thing. And there are things in life that are just difficult. And uh, pastors can't run away from that kind of stuff. You just can't. When there's grieving people, pastors are there. When there's sick people, pastors are there. And so you've got to take care of your body, be in as healthy situation you can possibly be in, and then run to those who are sick. Okay? visit the sick. And then funerals. Uh, preaching for, for funerals is an incredible opportunity to uh, if to just glorify God for the life that was given. If it's a Christian. If it's a non-Christian, it's a different situation, and it's a more difficult situation for sure. Um, I used to work with a pastor who had officiated over 800 weddings. At this point, it's probably well over 900, or excuse me, funerals. And uh, I mean, Funeral after funeral, eulogy after eulogy, and I was able to learn from him about grief counseling and preaching at funerals of all types. I was just able to observe. And friends, you're, everyone's going to die, and people in your church are going to die. 
young and old, they're going to die and you're going to be there and you're going to be present and you, you've got to simply be committed to being there and not outsourcing that kind of grief care. Praying for the sick, running to the sick, laying hands on the sick, anointing them with oil, praying and asking God to bring healing, submitting to the Heavenly Father after you make your requests, and then being there no matter what happens and trusting the Lord and walking with people through the tears. Uh, This is what God's called us to do. And friends, as we think about regulative principle pastoring, we cannot go to so many conferences and come away from conferences thinking, how can I get out of this kind of work and get into the real thing like vision casting (laughs) and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, my goodness, put vision casting to the side, like throw it to the side and start meeting with people who are hurting. This is our work. This is the work God has called us to. We didn't choose choose this work. God chose this work for us. And so we have to step into it, not run away from it. Guys, I hope this series has been helpful. I love you. I want to help you in any way that I can. If if I can help, feel free to reach out, and I would love to respond uh, in any way that I can. Guys, you've been listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. Thank you so much. Please subscribe, like, share this if it has been helpful, and we will be back later this week.